Foster here, and welcome to the Brand Forward Leadership Podcast. I am the creator of the Big Brand Formula and president of Jerry Foster Branding, where we specialize in working with service-based entrepreneurs who want to create a big brand and a strong message that sells so you can excite, delight, and ignite your market and make it easier to get clients. So, Please stick around to the end of the show and we will share how you can be our next guest in 15 to 20 minutes or so. In the meantime, let's go. Okay, welcome everybody to the Brand Forward Leadership Podcast. I'm Jerry Foster, the big branding guy, also known as the Branding Evangelist. Oh my goodness, I've been chatting with this great guy who's from Canada, lives in Canada. We've been shooting the breeze about some very interesting topics, but I yeah. love his whole look, his whole demeanor. Welcome to the show, Mike Almar. How you doing, buddy? Yeah, I'm very well. Thank you for having me. I'm, I'm great. We were talking earlier about how you're based in a city with the great weather, but bad base, actually good baseball, just very seasonal baseball. Beautiful <laughs> yeah. in the spring and summer, not so good in the autumn. You know, those are called, those athletes, when the bright lights are shining, they fall apart, right? Mr. What do they call him? Mr. Mr. July. I know, Mr. July, Mr. exactly. So, Mike, tell everyone what your company does. Well, we do, uh, everyone, Jerry, kind of has that great signature story. And most of us either don't know it or, or don't have it right. Because it really takes a lot of sort of digging to find what that story is. And that story is something so powerful because you can use it in your social media. You can use it for a book. You can use it for your speaking. And when you do your social, it's it's that message you have to come back again and again and again to. It gives you that consistency. It's that one thing that you can that really works for you twenty four seven because that story anyone can have. Anyone can have a podcast. We both know that, Jerry. Anyone can have sell insurance, but only one shall sell the insurance or have a podcast with your particular values and your values are based on your story. And when people learn your story, they, you imbue their values in them. They understand exactly who you're about because they know how you got to be who you're about. And that's super, super powerful. So that's what you do. You help people uncover their story and then tell their story. Yeah, very much. That's it. And so a lot of times it takes quite a lot of digging. It takes, you know, sometimes, sometimes it's done in 15 minutes. Sometimes it's done in a long time. It takes, you know, two or three or four or five hours. But the idea is that we really dig and and, and it's uh, people have likened it to therapy, um, and, which is kind of flattering, but I, I don't consider myself a therapist. But it's really about how you got to, as I said, so those formative experiences, who said stuff that mattered to you? Where did you learn from failure? Um, what was the, the, the best... Uh, um, instructing you ever got from an experience uh, who, you know, um, how did you almost go broken? How did that change you? Um, you know, all these things are really powerful. So uh, can I give you a little example? Yeah, sure. So I, 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 knew, I talked to a guy, he was a, a business consultant and he, he wealth management. And I said, did you grow up with money? He said, well, we didn't really grow up with money. My dad worked, my mom was a teacher, but I always felt that we just didn't have enough. Like for the amount of money that I thought my parents were making, I didn't, I didn't feel secure. And I felt that insecurity in our house. And so I became, he became the guy that goes to the construction zone and sells the Cokes and the cans of cock for the, the 
puff to the construction guys for like 50 cents. And he was always entrepreneurial. And then he got into wealth management because he didn't want people feeling what he felt as a kid. Okay. You learn that story about a guy. It took me 30 seconds for me to tell you it. And you get what he's about. You get that he's just not in it for the dough. He's in it because he has a sense of mission. Would you want to do business with this guy if, if everyone, everybody else was equal, but you knew that one thing about him? I'm guessing, yeah. Mm -hmm. And the other thing that can happen is sometimes you know something that nobody else knows. It may not really be attributed to your story. It may be attributed to this one great piece of information that you got. Can I tell you one of those? Please. Oh, you're so kind. So um, if you were a financial planner and you dealt in the States, the United States, you know, I think maybe more in the U.S. than in Canada, but we don't like it here in Canada. No one likes taxation. And in particular, the inheritance tax drives people crazy. The idea that the government, after you're dead, will come in and swoop up money from you and from the people that you, you care about is almost intolerable. So a lot of people come into these planners and they hide money and they give money to their nephew on the condition they give it to somebody else later on and 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 so and and they make terrible choices about who's going to administer their estate and everything is done because they just don't want to pay inheritance tax mm. so and all sorts of mistakes are made and so the families because you know it's not, not the money it's what the money says that great line from moneyball mm. the families are destroyed because they can't understand why their dad or grandfather made these choices about people who haven't particularly been responsible in the family, haven't been kind to them. And so the result of it is through this, these financial terrible decisions, lots and lots and lots of families are destroyed. Relationships are ruined. There's nothing better than a good fight at a funeral, Jerry. I don't know if you've ever seen one, but there's <laughs> Berkey. <laughs> so let me ask you this question. Out of 100 deaths, how many does the IRS say, how many of those 100 estates end up paying some form of inheritance tax out of 100? Oh Take a guess. God. 50. 0.01. Wow. No, 0.05. One in 200 estates. So if you knew that that one particular, and you were in the business, and you wrote a book that said, don't ruin your family for a tax that you're never going to have to pay. That would advantage you in a way, aside from your story, in that you have that thing to tell again and again and again. Don't do this. I see people doing this. And then if you broaden out the story and you say, I've seen people do this. They come in. I've seen so many families destroyed for no reason because you're never going to pay this tax. And even if you pay it, you're so wealthy, it won't even matter because those people that pay it are extraordinarily wealthy. So don't do it. That one piece of information is what I call a proposition. And that's the thing that drives your book. So the proposition is the conclusion. And that is that thing that that thing is so interesting that you can't not want to learn. Like, I think that one of the best propositions was the four hour work week. Mm. Who wouldn't want to read a book about having a four hour work week? <laughs> it's a really good proposition. And if you read the book, there's lots of good tips about digital uh work and there's lots of good tips about time saving but there's nothing revolutionary about it and there's nothing really a point that they guarantee you're going to have a four-hour work week but that proposition is so powerful so in this case the proposition is don't ruin your family for a tax you're never going to pay that's the proposition so the backstory is how you were a kid and you maybe like our friend the financial planner you liked helping people 
and then you ran this this uh, this business and uh, helping people plan their estates. And then you saw person after person after person coming in, Jerry. They're lying to you. They're making all these mistakes. You're going to the floor. You're going, he's going to hate her. She's going to hate him. And all the time you're sitting, this little voice inside you is saying, don't do this. Don't do this. Right. I've seen this happen. So I decided to write a book. Great. Now you have the proposition. Right. And now you have the backstory. And after you have the proposition, the backstory, you got to give tips. You got to give tax tips. You got to give all sorts of tips how do people can avoid making that mistake. Mm. The proposition, the idea that's fantastic and that grabs the reader right by the throat, the backstory that shows your journey to that proposition, and then lots and lots and lots of tips. So, that's so how you build your story. I love this. So what type of authors do you work with? Are they first-time authors and are they writing fiction? Uh, are they thought leaders, speakers, coaches, consultants, that whole crowd, experts, et cetera? Who exactly do you? Oh, yes. Yeah. So we have entrepreneurs, doctors, inventors. We don't do uh, fiction. So it's just business books. Okay. People in the equity space. Let's see. I've got a guy writing a book called Google is a, is a Child, which is so interesting. Uh -huh. His proposition is that Google isn't this monolith. It's actually a child, a tenured child, that if you educate, will always opt, opt in your favor and, and help you in your life and your business. That's kind of a really interesting proposition. Google is a child, right? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a title that would just grab you. What? Google is a child? Yeah. In fact, it is a child. And he has a lifetime experience based to show it. So, yes, it's all people in the tech, sec tech sector, medical, leadership, business, coaching, yeah, all that stuff. So do you help them also obtain lucrative book deals? Um, how does that whole thing work? Oh, yeah. So I, I'm a small publisher. The name of my publisher is Catapult. And my services is I just give you the file. I walk in with you, and if we do just the book, then you'll spend, say, six to eight hours with me. And about three months later, I'll come back with a book for you. Wow. I'll research it. I'll do the work. It's not really so much a ghostwriting because you're going to get sick of me because I'm going to come back and I'm going to want to know about your backstory, Jerry. I'm going to want to know about those kids you're hiding and, those and that tax money you're not paying. And I'll <laughs> so I'll hound you. <laughs> and I'll, come, I'll come back. And let me give it, if I may, just about the hounding for a second. We have this great entrepreneur here in Canada. His name is Ron Foxcroft. If you go to an NFL game and, and you blow the whistle or an NBA game, you hear the whistle, Ron invented that whistle, right? Wow. He's just a great entrepreneur, great guy. His backstory is fantastic. We're talking, and, and, I'm, and I noticed, Ron, that you don't drink. And he said, no, I don't. I said, who is the alcoholic in your life? Because there's only one reason people don't drink, and that's because they're either an alcoholic or they had an alcoholic in their life. Mm. And he said, it was my dad. And he came back every week and he beat me every single week. Mm. And I determined my dad was a guy who said it could have, would have, should have. And I determined I wasn't going to be like my dad. I was never going to say would have, could have, should have. I was never going to drink. And he didn't. Mm. Now, he wouldn't have given, like if he was writing his life story, none of us are going to say, my dad was an alcoholic who beat me. There's shame in that. There shouldn't be, but there's terrible shame in that. But if you have someone that you trust who says, Ron, how come you don't drink? He's going to tell you. And all of a sudden, the book is invested with a vulnerability and a truth that's more important almost than the book. Because 
someone who's not interested in technology, but maybe had a dad or a mom who had a drinking problem can relate to this successful person. So those are the elements of vulnerability and power in a backstory that you don't get just from writing down your story. You kind of have to deal with someone like me. So my service is two things. We, I just sit down with you and we figure it out, you and me, and I give you a blueprint and, and wish you good luck. Or um, we figure it out, you and me, I give you a blueprint and then we work together to create the book and you write it. Or the third option, I said two, I meant three. The third option is that we do the same thing. We work together and we figure it out and then we go back and then we read it and, and, and work it and edit it and give you a finished file. So it's taken you about six to eight hours of your real time and you have this great, great book, and then you can promote it any way you want. That's really the key. How you leverage that book is really important. That's why all we do is give you the file and say, okay, this is where we this is where we end. After this, it's up to you. This is really good that you're on the show because, as you know, this is a branding podcast, and a book is part of someone's personal brand, and the other the other part is the stuff that I do, which is I work with these authors and show them how to put their brand together. In terms of, okay, you got the book. Now, let's look at these other things that go into having the strongest personal brand possible. What are your thoughts about that? Oh, I so admire people that could do it. If, if, if people were depending on people like me to do what you're talking about, they wouldn't sell a book. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, because, hey, 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 you know why? Because you get a lot of people out there, Mike, who think that, hey, I'm branded. I got a book. I'm branded. I got a logo. I'm branded. I got a website. Really? It's that easy, right? Remember <laughs> <laughs> that cartoon? Let the trumpets blare. Let the bells ring out. I'm here. That, 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 I'm here. That, that, <laughs> exactly. You're hired. You wrote, you wrote a book. That's it. That's it. Oh, God. Oh, I know. But you know, Jerry, the other thing, too, is funny thing about a book is that most people that make a decision based on your book haven't read your book. That's another thing that you, you and I both know. You yeah. want people to read the book, but the fact that you have a book distinguishes you so powerfully from your competition because if yeah. you're the only person telling your story, yours is the only story that counts. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So I, I imagine there's a lot of bad intel out there in terms of these authors, right? These speakers, coaches, trainers, professionals, your target audience. What really bugs you about the intel that perhaps they're receiving about this thing called, quote unquote, write a book? Well, the idea, Jerry, thank you for asking me that question. You're the first person that's asked me that question. And, And I do a lot of these. I don't like the manipulation of algorithms to make people bestsellers. I think it's dishonest. I think that that you get all your friends to to, to buy your book, and and all of a sudden you're a bestseller, and you screen grab it, and or you choose a really obscure category, and you screen grab it, and you're and you're a bestseller forevermore. I think that's bullshit. Mm-hmm. And I think when you use that, to me, if I see someone's a bestseller, it screams bullshit to me. Yeah. Because I think most of the time it's manipulated. So I don't think I don't think you do that, and I don't and I don't think people should do that. Yeah. And that's one thing that really bothers me. The second thing that really bothers me is when people say they don't have a story. Mm Because really what they're saying is, I've been conditioned not to consider my story important. And that offends me. Mm. That offends me at a very deep level. Who is it that poisons you, that told you that your story has no worth? 
that no part of your life in the business that you know better than anybody else that you've devoted your life to has any utility to anybody else. Yeah. Who told you that? Because that person was lying to you. I know. I know. I mean, everyone has a story. Everyone has something that they've gone through or something that has changed their life and impacted their, their life, like you said earlier. What's your story, Micah? What, what got you to do what you do? Well, <laughs> I don't know how much time you have, but the <laughs> my story is my my home life wasn't great. I was a kid that lived in a, in a home with fear. And one of the things I learned to do was crawl into little cupboards because then you were safe, then you were secure. Mm. If I tell a discerning person that, they know all about my home. Yeah. And so uh, so I, I was an okay, bright enough kid, but I didn't thrive in school. I was disillusioned. Mm. And I got a note one time that said, you've been accepted into Lambton College, which is a journalism school, a school near me. And I went to my mother and I said, this is interesting because I didn't apply to Lambton mm. College. Mm. She said, uh, uh, well, I needed you out of the house, she said. <laughs> and so she, she forged my application to journalism school. And I'll tell you how well that worked, Jerry. I went and I fit spectacularly because I was just dicking around. Mm. And and I didn't do well at all. And uh, then I went, my uncle had a job in the oil fields of Alberta. This involved dynamite, helicopters, stuff. Jerry, God did not put me on this earth to screw around with dynamite. <laughs> and, and there was, I'd be like, well, I carry only holding up the sign that says, mother, that's me, right? <laughs> so, so what happened is I almost get blown up, right? Uh, and and then I and then a second later, a big fifty pound cast iron hook comes by me and hits the hits the hits the ground, and it's still shaking. And I said to myself, Sal, we're going to make some changes here. <laughs> this clearly <laughs> is not working for me. And so I went back to school, and I did pass, and I applied myself, and I worked my way all the way up to the top of my business. I was a sports columnist at the best sports newspaper in Canada. Mm -hmm. I traveled the world. I had a re really great life, fantastic mm -hmm. life. Mm -hmm. And then I went crazy. I uh, I was yeah. I had uh, I was diagnosed with bipolar disorder, and I was acting in these crazy, unpredictable ways. I got into a fight in an airplane. I mean, just crazy stuff. I tell you all this because I want people to be vulnerable with their stories, and so I'm vulnerable with mine. Very and beautiful. so yeah, and so. Uh, I, I lost the ability to travel. I, I ended up staying in the business. And then I went to work for the company that owns the Toronto Maple Leafs and Raptors and stayed oh. with them for seven years, did really well with them. And then came out when I was in my 50s and realized that journalism was a dying business and that there was no way I was ever going to work again. So I started going to business networking organizations. I started talking to people and I realized these brilliant people. First, I realized that there was a subculture of business entrepreneurs I never knew these people existed, right? Never thought about them, right? I was a newspaper guy. I met them. I was so impressed with them. These people were living on their wits, right? They didn't have a safety net. They were doing their best with what they knew. Mm. I really came to admire them. And I also came to find they had no idea what their stories were. Mm. And the skills that I had and a room full of people in a, in a newsroom had were magic to them. Mm. And I realized then that I could help them. Yeah. And so that's what I've been doing for the last six or seven years. That took a long time to sort of figure it out. Yeah. But now we're going to have 10 bucks this year. And, uh, and we work <laughs> it so there's 
DIY option. So I just work with the person, help them find that story. And then if they go and tell their story, man, I'm just, I'm like a proud dad. Yeah. I can't, I'm so happy for them. So that's, that's kind of what, how I got here. Every Ooh. moment I plan to perfection, Jerry, I've got a big Venn diagram that I've, that I've just charted everything about my life. Oh yeah. Everything has happened exactly as it's supposed to. Wow. I love it. I love it. Now you would if it were true. Yeah. <laughs> oh no, no, no. Stop. No, no, no. Hey, don't, don't burst your bubble. Don't burst your bubble. Okay. <laughs> now I can imagine that you must have some incredible client author success stories is or one you want to share with us that you're really proud of. Yeah, there's, there's, <laughs> uh, yeah, there's some great ones. The one I like. So there's one I'm just working on now. If I can tell you this story, I, I met this man, he's in his seventies, he's a dentist. He did very well. His wife was a teacher at this Ukrainian school. And she was really, really well known. And she got an autoimmune disease a couple of years into her retirement and she died. And so my friend was crushed. And at the time, he didn't know how to put a, they, it was difficult to put an obit in the paper and it cost a lot of money, about 700 bucks for an obit here. And so his granddaughter made a kind of an obit in, on Facebook and he said, hey, grandpa, push this. And grandpa pushed it. Mm. And people from all over the world who had been this woman's teacher who she had taught rather, taught to read because she was a kindergarten. People that worked at NASA, people from all over the world were connected to this. And they, and they wrote her back and, and they extended their condolences and said, you're, you're, you know, Mrs. Stetchy was so wonderful and so important to me, even as a kindergarten teacher, she set my life in the right direction. And so I'm writing a book about Mrs. Stetchy through the eyes of all those people because I'll never get to meet Mrs. Stetchy. And so the book is called Letters to Mrs. Stetchy. Oh. And every book is like top down. If I do a book on you, Jerry, I'll write about what you think and what you know and all your experiences. And then it'll be, it'll be top down. This book mm. is bottom up because it's about this person, this mosaic of a person I'll never meet mm. through the eyes of all these successful people. Wow. And so I'm really excited about that book. That's the one that I'm really jazzed about. But I did a book called The 50-Year-Old Millennial with a friend named Mark Petipaw. And this is so... Mark's saying was servant leadership. That's just where he's at, is servant yeah. leadership. He learned it from his parents. And but servant leadership, Jerry, you know, it's not sexy. And it's about 50 years old. Yeah. Right. So I was talking to Mark about servant, and we were talking about millennials. The book was never supposed to be about millennials. It was about servant leadership. Hmm. And I said, you know, Mark, what do you think of all these millennials? And Mark said, I think they're fantastic. They're mm -hmm. asking for the same things that we wanted. They're asking for fairness. They're asking for a transparent sort of ladder up the company. They're asking for steady feedback. They don't want any bullshit, any sexist or any racial stuff in their offices. And mm -hmm. they care about how their employers act. Mm -hmm. He says, that's who we were before we got our minds changed. And mm -hmm. I said, Mark, you sound like a 50-year-old millennial. Wow. And there was the book. Wow. 50-year-old millennial about servant leadership, but about how millennials who are now the major cohort in the workplace demand these things and how you can accommodate them to keep your employees and to, of course, retain them, which is much, much, much cheaper than recruiting them. So when I said that the book came, that sometimes it comes in several hours, that was probably our eighth hour of conversation, but that's how we figured it out. So when you're working with your authors, 
are you coaching them on the idea of, hey, you can sell a lot of books or is it more, hey, write the book and I'll show you how to use this as a marketing tool to help expand your company or business? Neither, Jerry. Guys like you are really good at that, at showing them how to, you, you have a story and that's it. People say you should write to for, with your audience in mind. I don't believe that. Huh. I think that if you write to your audience in mind, some party is going to go, oh, they'll go for this. They'll mm. go for that. Tell me your story that makes you human, dependable, and that generates no like and trust. Okay. That's all I want. When okay. they tell me your backstory, you'll create character. Character is important no matter what the industry. So mm. I don't write targeted books. I write books about why you do what you do and how you do it. Mm. And, and after that, it's up to you and the Jerry's of the world to leverage it. You know, it sounds like I'm I'm a bit of a, a dilettante and that I'm sort of like the artist guy that only, you know, that doesn't dirty his hands with the sales part of it. I don't believe that. I, I admire business. I admire industry. I admire endeavor. But my particular skill is to having is to help you create a book that's absolutely true to you, that you can use not only in your business, but in your life and your speeches and something your kids would read and go, oh, I get dad now. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. That's great. Now, for people who are loving this conversation, how can they connect with you? What are your oh. socials? What's your URL? All that good stuff. Oh, my, well, my name of my my website is mikeulmer.com. Okay. That's where I would, or um, Mike Ulmer on LinkedIn. Okay. Uh, think of this, Jerry. I just, I just limit myself to LinkedIn. I don't use Facebook. I don't use Twitter. I don't use, what are you telling people to, with, with kind of business books? What are you telling people to do? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. what's your recommendation oh well linkedin yeah for business oh, yeah. not facebook yeah. not instagram yeah. yeah oh yeah i'm so with you so yeah so i'm on facebook rather i'm on insta uh, <laughs> i'm on mikeomer.com and i'm on linkedin as well yeah yeah for business books yeah and right. i'm not knocking facebook but that's a whole different and then instagram and tiktok i mean that's <laughs> All right, my friend. Well, listen, you've been a great guest. I love listening to you. Is there one more thing that you'd like to say to your audience? The one thing I I would have to say is this. When when someone tells you that you don't have anything to offer in terms of a story, that you're not unique, Mm -hmm. that you, 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 you don't matter because your stories and circumstances don't matter, that person is lying to you. Don't believe them. Even if that person is you, don't believe me. All right. Well, listen, my friend, you are delightful. Thank you for being here today. You're a special guy. You really are. Very likewise. Thank you for having me. And and thank you for your transparency and and sharing your story. That was good. And to our audience, thank you for being here today as well. And so until next time, this is Jerry Fawcett, the big branding guy, also known as the Branding Evangelist, signing off. Take care. Jerry Foster here. Thank you so much for listening to my Brand Forward Leadership Podcast. Now, if you, if you are a successful service-based entrepreneur yourself and you've got amazing expertise, I mean services, skills, talents, and abilities that you offer through your company or yourself, and you've been in business for five, 10 years or more, and you would like to be a guest on this program, I would love to have you. Simply visit jerryfosterbranding.com forward slash brandforwardleadership forward slash apply, and I will certainly check you out. 
and get to know you and so on and so forth. Now, let me just add a couple of other things. Number one, if you got something out of this interview, would you share this episode on social media for me? And if so, just do a quick screenshot with your phone and text it to a friend or post it on your socials, okay? And number two, if you know someone that you feel would be a great guest, someone that I should meet and connect with and so on and so forth, tag them on social media to let them know about the show and include the hashtag Brand Ford Leadership because I love seeing your posts. I love guest suggestions. That's how we all grow. That's how we all connect and make it through this world, which are through our relationships and our connections. And lastly, let me throw this in. We are regularly putting out new episodes and content. I'm always on the lookout for not only great guests, but great content. And so therefore, because we're always putting great new stuff out, juicy stuff, make sure you don't miss any episodes in the future. So please go ahead and subscribe. And I also love what? I love support. I love love. (laughs) So your thumbs up, ratings, and reviews go a long way to help promote the show and mean a lot to me and my team. So if you can find it in your heart to go ahead and show me that kind of support and love, I would really appreciate it. And on a second note, if you would like to know more about me, the work that I do, simply go to my website at jerryfosterbranding.com or follow me on LinkedIn or Facebook at Jerry Foster Branding or Instagram at Jerry Foster Big Brand Man. Okay? Jerry Foster Big Brand Man. Again, thanks for listening. Until we see you the next time, take care.